Oh, oh, goodness. I'm sorry. We'll have to let your friends know that I do um, FaceTime walks. And I forgot my headphones, so I'm very sorry. No, you're good. Listen, that's why we call it editing. Oh my god, please edit the shit out of this. I'm like, oh, I'm on such a tangent. It's so funny when you say, just, I'll just say this. And when you close your eyes, you're laying right beside a damn good thing. I may never get the credit, but my love made him better. Welcome back, everybody. Um, thank you again for joining me on this other episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Today, I'm talking with the incredible singer, songwriter, yogi, um, <laughs> all around awesome human, Rachel Beauregard. Rachel, do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, that was a really great introduction. Oh, I was just welcome. introduced recently as a very um, East Nashvilleian. Someone was like, oh, you're so East. They were like, singer, songwriter recording artist, background singer, yogi, like you're basically just a poster child for East Nashville. <laughs> like, I guess so. That's fine with me. I do live here and I love it. So. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how I met Rachel was the most incredible way. She, you, she, her, her like latest claim to fame is, uh, being one of the background vocalists for Hoser. And I got to see him in November with a mutual friend of ours and uh and Rachel was singing um and I like was too starstruck because I remember like meeting you and I was like she is just so full of energy and she just <laughs> performed for like three hours <laughs> that was a long show wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I barely enjoyed it but like I wasn't singing and like banging on things so I was yeah. like I can only imagine how she but you had so much energy and I was like um when I start this back up I want to interview her um so <laughs> well I'm so glad it was really awesome to meet you that night it was a special night too because obviously I'm from the DC Virginia area and so it was kind of like a homecoming show mm -hmm. for me and the Nats had recently won the World Series yeah. and we were like freaking out about that and so that was all incredible but yeah that was and also yeah that show was just really a very special show it was it was I mean I I was so excited I just like I was just so excited because I, I love Hoser's music and um He's so I, special. Yeah, his music is just like his lyrics and writing are just incredible to me. And getting to be able to like meet him and him truly be just so lovely was <laughs> I was like, I don't know what life is anymore. I've I've peaked. But um but then I got yeah, to I was gonna say we all, we also got to share cake together that evening mm -hmm. with whole, like with everybody with the band and stuff because my mom had this <laughs> ridiculous cake made with like photos of him <laughs> and the album it was basically like photos of him it was almost like it was like a joint birthday or something mm -hmm. it was like photos of him and then photos of me and I was like wow this is 
this cake should be for Andrew. This should be for Andrew. And, you have, like, and she's like, well, you're, I made the cake. I can do what I want. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I love that your mom has become also a stage mom in this process. Yes. Oh, she was like quintessential stage mom. Anytime she would come to a show. I remember the first show that she came to, which we played in D.C. I believe it was at, was it at the Lincoln Theater? But it was, it was, yeah. She sent a whole like basket of wine and cheese and charcuterie (laughs) and all these other things. And honestly, I was just like, this is the best version of stage mom you could ask for because she really like you know she's not like telling me what I could have done better on stage Mm -hmm. just like that was amazing and then she feeds us so (laughs) So everyone's like your mom can come by anytime anytime (laughs) yeah they're like we're down we're down for the wine and cheese bread she just you know she's a proud Virginian too so she Mm -hmm. brought some Virginia wine she wanted everyone to taste to experience they were happy to So let's, I mean, because it's how I met you, let's talk about that first. You know, how did you end up on tour with Hoser? Like, how did that even. How did that happen? Yeah. So it was just absolutely serendipitous, but one of my girlfriends here in Nashville is a, a singer and an artist called Rachel Lampa. And if you kind of grew up listening to Christian music, um, she was in, she became super popular in in Christian music world probably when we were in you know late elementary middle school mm-hmm. middle school I'd say um, she had a song called Blessed that kind of like hit the charts and she was just this little tiny you know half Filipino tiny tiny girl and then she'd open her mouth and you were like whoa but anyway she's a dear friend she's absolute angel and she used to tour as a background singer so. When Andrew was about to release his second album, Mm -hmm. he went to Rachel and said, hey, would you be able to come back on tour with me? And I say, unfortunately, fortunately, she had a beautiful baby boy right after their tour ended. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so she was like, I'm not going to be able to do this schedule Mm because the Hosier schedule is... As far as my touring experience goes, probably the most intense I've ever Mm -hmm. toured. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful, but it was very intense in the schedule. So she said to me, would this be something you'd be interested in doing? Because I was between careers at that moment. My mm-hmm. band, Native Run, had kind of gone on a hiatus, mm-hmm. a lot of hiatus. It's pretty much like we were just like, let's put this beautiful band and project to rest because mm-hmm. our lives had just kind of gone in different directions but at the same time we were like I don't want to totally say that it's over so why don't yeah. we just say <laughs> but anyway so I was doing that and I was just teaching yoga and trying to figure out my life and Rachel came along right in this time and it was just the, the, the most like incredible blessing that we could my husband and I could have asked for because you know the financial aspect of being a musician can be so hot and cold mm-hmm. and teaching yoga is very often not like a career like it's mm-hmm. really hard to pay your bills as a yoga teacher so that's kind of like I call it like a a love career it's like a hobby <laughs> so that's how it started, Rachel Lampa. And like, and then I ended up bringing one of my friends on tour with me as the other background singer because they were still looking for another background singer. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, one of my girlfriends is like, I would consider her 
one of the most proficient background singers. It's like what she does. So she came along with me and we were the Nashville background singers out with a bunch of Irish folks. It was awesome. (laughs) And so like, did you have to audition? Did you have to like, or did you kind of just show up and was like, I I can hold a tune or. Oh yeah. That's a great question. (laughs) So it was kind of a series of emails back and forth. And Mm -hmm. I had one FaceTime chat with Andrew and with the music director who is his like best friend and also Mm -hmm. bass player. His name is Alex. And so basically, you know, I sent them some songs that I'd written and recorded, mm-hmm. one of Native Run's music videos, and just kind of said, like, hey, this is what I sound like, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm in country music, but I've obviously, I'm like a trained vocalist, so mm-hmm. I don't sing, I don't always sing like this with my orange <laughs> And then they just kind of kept going back and forth, and it took them like a month and a half to make a decision and I'm not going to lie to you I started smoking cigarettes again that month <laughs> which you're like but wait you're a singer and a yoga teacher true I'm very complicated um, <laughs> but aren't we all like you know like we are Avril Lavigne has a song like you know we're all, it's complicated it's fine <laughs> yes exactly and I'm like I am that person I do make things a little bit complicated but not intentionally so I was just waiting that month and I remember I was driving back from one of my best friends bachelorette weekends that we did in Asheville North Carolina and I got a phone call from them and I was just like hey I'm driving let me just pull over (laughs) pulled over to a gas station and they were like we want to offer you the gig and I was like oh like feelings I mean you know that feeling the feeling is just like your dream job yeah you apply for it there's probably a ton of other people that would be maybe even better for it than you. Yeah. And they're like, we want you to do it. And I was like, ah! <laughs> so that made the rest of my drive home really easy. <laughs> so what is it like, you know, being on a international tour? Was that your first international? That was my first. Yeah. Yeah. And what a because first to have. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Country music, I very much stayed domestic in Canada. So we played U.S. Mm-hmm. and Canada, but, and while I did that for years, there was nothing like, you know, rolling up to a venue in Paris and being like, I'm I'm going to be singing in this beautiful gold <laughs> or gorgeous venue tonight. Um, so on one hand, that was, those are memories and experiences I'll cherish forever. On the other hand, it's some of the most exhausting work I've ever done because when your body is constantly moving and especially if you're flying and you're getting mm-hmm. dehydrated we had late nights I mean you came to the show our show didn't even end till after 11 yeah and then you have kind of come down from that and then bus call isn't usually until like 2 or sometimes 3 a.m. which was so, wild I know we were all like okay we're gonna leave and then we you were, were like, like no, <laughs> you're like we're gonna get on the bus so you can just stay I was like girl it is <laughs> I know, I know, trust me. And that was like, that was life, which was amazing because now it's so funny coming back home and like trying to acclimate to COVID life where you're Mm -hmm. stuck in your house all day. It's been quite a transition, but, but all that said, my, some of my favorite memories, I'm just thinking about being with my friends on tour and just going, let's go to this like historic place in Italy or let's eat, let's drink this, Mm -hmm. you know, whiskey from Ireland or whatever the case is. It, I will I will always cherish being able to travel internationally like that. Mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to. In fact, I'm 
I'm also pregnant now. Yes, which yes. Which may or may not know. Yes. But I'm like decorating the nursery like with like the world. I'm like, I just want <laughs> you to travel and see everything. But I will say on that same token, there were moments on tour, specifically in the beginning of last year, mm-hmm. where we toured nonstop for over three months. Mm-hmm. And the last two and a half weeks of this tour were in Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And again, that was a dream of mine. There's no way in hell I would ever be able to go to Australia on my own dime. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. And so that was such a dream, but it was so hard to appreciate because I was exhausted to the bone. Mm-hmm. It was hard to be motivated and it, it was hard to be kind. I mean, I just remember being, you know, a lot of, that's when like band and crew really have to buckle down and like intentionally practice kindness. Cause you just don't want to be out anymore. You want to yeah. be home. It's like, it, it doesn't matter if it's the most beautiful place in the world. You're like, all I want to do is be on my couch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of like the double edged sword Mm-hmm. Uh, touring like that but I will say at the end of the day like being able to go to these places with with that style of music as well was mm-hmm. like beyond a dream come true mm-hmm. I'm just, oh, so <laughs> grateful I mean it's just like it's. I still can't even believe it sometimes I look back and photos will pop up and I'm like no freaking way I got to do that mm-hmm. so, I, I mean how man I wouldn't even know how to like bottle up all of those feelings or let them out or release it I mean when you got home did you just kind of nap for six days or (laughs) (laughs) yes my poor husband it was actually that was hard too because it was you you know I wanted to come home and like be a really good wife and be like I haven't been able to do this with you or that with you we haven't gone for our favorite hikes or walks Mm -hmm. or cooked meals together and all I wanted to do is just sleep Mm -hmm. or I just wanted to relax or do nothing and my communication skills were very poor at that point. I was just like, (laughs) I was like kind of a numb person sometimes. It wasn't always like that. And we found other ways of like staying like together and connected um, while on the road. But I think as far as you said about like those feelings and emotions, like I still feel like I'm having to unpack those Mm -hmm. now. And it's been bittersweet because it's one of those things that feels so far away from from being able to do that like that was December and now it's what May and it Mm -hmm. feels like that was like 12 years ago Mm -hmm. so I still feel in a way I feel like I'm mourning it because I miss it so much but in another way it's like I have to remember those times where I was like you need a break and you need a long break you need to remember what it's like to live in one place (laughs) you need to remember that you you know have a home and have you know your have a husband you have a dog like these other things you have a dog (laughs) I have a dog she's my child she's my first child she's my firstborn I say she's not not born of me I have a dog obsession and everyone on the road knew it too and they would always tease me because they they would always um, like they'd be like how's Sharky and I'd be like and then they would be like we won't even ask how Dean is because we know you don't even talk to him before. <laughs> you just talk to Sharky. And I'm like, ah. Poor husband. I mean, did he was he able to visit you on the road? He was. Okay. And I'm really grateful for that. So he's a musician as well. He's a guitar player and a drummer mm-hmm. player. So he was able to be pretty flexible. And he started grad school basically the same exact month that I started rehearsing on this mm-hmm. for this tour. So we were both kind of going through these very brand new experiences 
which was really awesome and really complicated as well. Mm-hmm. Because I was trying to ask a lot of him and he needed a lot of me and we couldn't really give each other that. Mm-hmm. So that was like hard to kind of navigate. But now he's about to graduate in August. So it's crazy to think we've closed these chapters this mm-hmm. year. And, you know, he's been... But yeah, he got to come out to a bunch of different places. He came out to London and Dublin and New York City a bunch. So we got to spend some time, some road time together, which is always really fun. Mm-hmm. Now, take me back to kind of the, the first day. You got you got the call saying, hey, we want to offer this to you. Then how quick was that turnaround to like you being in a, in a plane going to rehearsals? Like... So that's a great question. Yeah, because I had a few months to prepare and to learn music as best as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I got that call, I think it was May. Mm-hmm. And then we started rehearsals in August. Okay, okay. In, the, in early August. So um, I had a few months and I was, I was actually on tour at that point with Maren Morris, who's an amazing country singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was not singing background vocals. I was teaching yoga. Oh, which was really cool. So she's a friend of mine. And I remember um, she started really getting into yoga and coming to the studio. And it was so great. And when my band Native Run kind of officially ended, Mm -hmm. she kind of came to me um, through because we like I'm really good friends with Annie, who's her bass player. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, Marin was so sweet because she was like, she kind of approached it like very delicately because she was like, I don't want to ask you this and it'd be an insult because mm-hmm. you're a musician and you're a singer. Mm-hmm. But she was like, I do want to hire a yoga teacher. And if you would just want to go out with us while you're in between stuff and just have fun, like we'd mm-hmm. love to have you do that. So that was unbelievable. Cause I just, I was just like, mama is not proud. I, I yes, I will be. <laughs> are you kidding? Like girl, if that check clears, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I was also just like, you know, I admire her so much as a, as a human and as an artist and I'm, they're just, they're my friends. Like mm-hmm. my old roommate, Ben is her guitar player. Annie, her bass player has been a friend of mine for almost a decade. Like, so I, I just can't even like express the joy I had. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, how can this year get any better? I'm <laughs> touring with Marin. We're having a blast. We're, we're doing yoga every day. I'm getting to watch her career and her star rise, which is like the greatest like gift to be able to witness. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up having to hop off that tour early and then flew to Ireland and started rehearsals with, Ian, with Hosier. So it was like, <laughs> I was like, can this get any better? But again, like I said, um. <laughs> yes. you get to hear some very rambunctious uh, neighborhood animals. So, but yeah, all that, the bittersweet of it is that in this job, you mm-hmm. you have really high highs and then you have really low lows. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was just, I just have come off a very high high. Very high high. So, um, kind of okay so when I so I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this so when I when I met everybody you know that night everyone was calling him Andrew and I was like I mean I knew but you know you were also like huh that's weird because obviously the world knows him as Hoser and yeah yeah, and 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 I'm thinking like what was it like for you to kind of adjust to little things like that because for me that was a big thing that stuck out for me but I can imagine like there was probably like a a bunch of other little things that you had to adjust to um being on tour not just necessarily with him just like 
you're like, oh my gosh, if this was anybody else's right, also would have to adjust to that. Yeah. Well, I would say this, like anytime you kind of go on tour with somebody that you already admire and respect, it's immediately really nerve wracking and scary because Mm -hmm. one of two things, either you're just, you're just a little bit humbled and embarrassed to Mm -hmm. be around somebody that you, is kind of like a hero. Yeah. But then on the other side of that same coin, you're nervous. Like, what if this person is kind of like shitty? Yeah. And <laughs> then it's going to be like really tough to like still love their music mm-hmm. and still love and admire them, you know, whatever. And I have to say with Andrew, which, yeah, it was, I'd always heard because I'm friends with Rachel, who was out with him mm-hmm. before she would always go Andy, Andy, Andy. And so I kind of was already used to his name being Andrew. Mm-hmm. They call him Andy too. Um, so I was already used to that, but it was kind of other things like getting to know him and realizing that he's one of the most genuine, kind, humble humans, which I think part of that is just because he's had such an amazing like upbringing in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like, a, there's like a thing with Irish people. They're just, they refer to it as, as notions. They don't have any notions <laughs> kind of to say that like, you know, they, they stay humble. Um, but, but then it was, like, so crazy because you get used to him and you're like, oh, he's, like, this amazing guy. I get to hang out with all the time. And we have so much fun together. Mm-hmm. And then you real then you do a show and you realize, like, oh, okay, thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. are obsessed with him. <laughs> and it's such a weird, that's a weird thing. It's such a weird thing. And then to come down off of that, because I remember, like, meeting him. He was like, oh, it's nice to meet you. He's like, I'm Andrew. I was like, I know who you are. <laughs> like... <laughs> He's just like, he's your bud, you know? He's mm-hmm. like, he's also a very incredibly private person too, which I respect and mm-hmm. admire. Like he, he's really good at being able to maintain his privacy, which I think keeps, keeps him grounded and sane. And as we all should, I, I mean, as we like, all should. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're in an age right now where you can just bear your soul on a daily basis and it's become a little dangerous. Mm-hmm. But so, so kind of what, so now that we've kind of unpacked that, I mean, I'm sure there's like so much more in there, but I want to talk about kind of how you got started. What made Rachel be like, I want to sing for, you know, yeah. life. Well, I always like to say, similar to Miss Aretha Franklin, I started singing in church, mm-hmm. which doesn't make me anything like Aretha, but I just, <laughs> I remember when I found out that she was like a church singer, I was mm-hmm. like, me too (laughs) and look what she's done you know Mm -hmm. so I started in church like many people and then I actually got away from singing for a long time and I started acting more so I was Mm. a theater major in college graduated with a BA in theater my mom was like what are you gonna do with that I minored (laughs) I minored in theater so (laughs) yes you did yes you did so you know it's just it's such an amazing joy and experience to study human beings and to study psychology in that way, mm-hmm. to study literature in that way. So that really kind of, I would say that really was the beginning of what I started enjoying about songwriting. I mm-hmm. actually started writing plays and writing skits and writing sketches first. And that kind of turned into songwriting eventually. But mm-hmm. after that, I was introduced to some friends that had a band in Virginia called Melodyne. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, I would sing with them. 
I wasn't on the payroll though. So after two years, I was like, guys, you either got to pay me or I can't keep giving you this much time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one thing you learn very quickly in the arts is that if people know you are a singer, mm-hmm. then, and this probably goes for any, any quality that you might be able to offer to the table. Mm-hmm. People ask, will ask you to do it for free all the time. And if, yeah. as long as you do it for free, they're never going to pay you. And I just realized after a while, I was like, I've been doing shows with you guys for however many years. And while I'm not like writing all these songs with you, I'm, I'm here and I'm showing up and it's time and it's energy and it's gas money and rehearsals and, and like rehearsals. Yeah. And I'm like, so as much as I love this and it was a hobby, I, it's time for me to start making these decisions where I have to go. No, I am a valuable asset to a band. And mm-hmm. if I'm going to be in a band, then I'm going to get paid for it. So mm-hmm. from there, I just kept doing more shows in DC as an actor. I was very thankfully cast in several productions around town and really enjoyed that. And then I got a phone call from a girlfriend of mine who said, Hey, this really amazing guitar player who owns Jim and Java, which is a venue in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm is looking for a female singer to start a band, basically, and for this female singer to kind of sing his songs. And I was like, I can get down with that. Like, mm-hmm. that sounds amazing. That's, like, right up my alley because I'm a performer and I'm a singer. Yeah. But at this point, I hadn't been songwriting yet. So I joined that with my other dear, dear friend, Brian Dolly, um, who was just, like, in our friend group at the time. Mm-hmm. And we started this journey together, and that's where everything took off. I mean, we just started touring up and down the East Coast. Mm-hmm. We started playing different shows. Yeah, I mean, we were just playing shows all around the East Coast, basically, and then eventually we made it to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we got to Nashville, that's where everything changed. Apparently, we had a very raw sound. <laughs> that sounds so industry. You guys have such it a raw so industry. It was such so a raw sound. Back, when I talked to Brian about it, I'm just like, wow, it was so industry. Like there's no there, that's a perfect way of saying it. Because <laughs> the thing with Nashville is it's an amazing place. It's Music City. Yeah. I love Nashville. There can, there can be a tendency once you move here to just homogenize mm-hmm. and create like a quote Nashville sound, unquote. And we weren't doing that. We were like our own thing, coming up with our own music. We started writing our own songs together, performing them together. And that was really, really incredible. And then Nashville was like, no, we love you guys. And then we ended up having to split ways with Luke, the guitar player, because he had a bunch of children and a beautiful family, but wasn't able to move to Nashville. And Mm -hmm. Brian and I just worked so well together and we were like young and independent and free. And we were like, Mm -hmm. we want to make this work. We got to go to, we have to move. Yeah. And we've got to approach this with every little ounce of might that we can. Yeah. That's where it all started. We are in a band native run operated for about eight years. Um, We went on tour with Lady Annabellum, Sam Hunt, David Nail, um, oh, we opened for them. We toured with John Hyatt. We went on the rock boat, Kayamo. I mean, we were we were able to do some absolutely incredible things. Mm-hmm. We played Austin City Limits. You know, countless fairs. Let me tell you, state fairs were our thing for a while. I feel like that's the, is that just me or is that like the quintessential... I'm trying to be a singer, so I'm going to play a state fair. <laughs> for 
for sure. But particularly in country music. If yeah. you are a country music artist, singer, band, you will play state fairs. Because if you're being booked by CAA or Paradigm or any of the respective William Morris like booking agencies, mm-hmm. they are the ones that book the state fairs. And let me tell you something. You'll be playing them. You'll be eating <laughs> a lot of corn dogs. <laughs> So, yeah, and then that happened, and we, we did that for a while. There was, I don't, I'm, like, really just telling you, like, this entire story you might not even want to know. But no, I do. I after, love it. Yeah, we, we signed a record deal. We signed what's called a publishing deal, which is a songwriter mm-hmm. deal. And after a few years, our label, unfortunately, went under, which mm-hmm. is to say they just, they folded. Yeah. So, basically, all of our... All of our, like, I'm not going to say all of our work went down the drain, but if you don't have a label that's supporting you and that's financially um, setting you up for tour and stuff, there's really next to nothing you can do Mm -hmm. as an artist. It's just too expensive to tour these days um, at that level. Yeah. yeah, so that we we were operating independently for about a year and a half after we lost our record deal. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of decided, Brian, um, he started having a family and was just like, look, I think we just kind of like have to step away from this and Mm -hmm. start looking into other things. And that's really where I dove into yoga just to kind of help me navigate and process all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started doing other things projects and tours like with Marin and then eventually with with Hosier so do you want to you know release your own music again do you want to be your own artist I do and you know what that's such a great question because I have never been a solo artist Mm. I've always only been in a duo or part of a group or a background singer and so after the Hosier tour, I was like, I feel like I need to challenge myself and just put out a solo record, mm-hmm. uh, or we'll call we'll say EP. I don't <laughs> think I'm ready to do an entire record. <laughs> I'm like, let's have baby steps, right? So a mixtape, if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So right now, I have about three, three or four songs that I'm pretty excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just need to kind of finish basically some of some of them are finished and some of them are kind of in that like pseudo finished space where they just need some tweaking and then I want to write probably two or three more and then be able to put something out hopefully Mm -hmm. this year I would really love to do something this year and it would just be under my own moniker Rachel Beauregard Mm -hmm. great (laughs) but yeah it's so scary because I really am a collaborator coming from mm-hmm. the theater world as you know you really see the value and the benefit of working as a team and every person and player on your team having a specific mm-hmm. role I mean sports analogy as well it's like the forward is not dribbling the ball up the court you know what mm-hmm. I mean like the forward's ready to score points like everyone has this role and they can focus on that and when you become an artist all of a sudden you're doing everything yeah and so I've always been able to share that responsibility with Brian with a band Mm-hmm. with a songwriting team you name it so it's really scary to be honest it's really scary and really vulnerable to be like I'm gonna try this on my own it's very mm-hmm. very scary but 
we're doing it. We're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna see what happens. No, I mean I think that's great, and I think you bring up a, a good point of like kind of having to strike out on your own when you didn't expect it. Because I don't know if you had, did you have kind of in your mind what you were going to do once that massive tour ended, you know, like what were you going to do? Go, just go home. Like, and I feel like we're also, you know, set up in a place. It's like, oh, you did this amazing thing. Well, what's next? You know? Exactly. Exactly. That pressure is really hard. I feel it. I put it on myself probably more than other people put it on me. Mm -hmm. But you're exactly right. There's, that's that's what I was referring to earlier is the high highs and the low lows because mm-hmm. you have all these incredible highs and then after that you're kind of stuck with this really low low of going okay well now what now what am I doing now mm-hmm. who am I now where am I going now what does my career look like and you know you take that risk when you get into this business into showbiz <laughs> um, you kind of take that risk but it's it's so worth it because you realize that what you're what you're when you're doing what you love um it's worth all of the the self-doubt it's worth all mm-hmm. of those seasons. you just have to know that you're going to go through those seasons and mm-hmm. hopefully keep your head above water through it so now in between like in between gigs and stuff I, I know you said you were doing yoga but you were saying it was more of like a love career versus like a career career so do you do anything else besides you know teaching yoga to earn an income because I think that's the hardest thing with any creative profession whether you know it's writing or singing or whatever theater like there's you're paid for three months and then nothing like you know what I mean so what else are you doing to kind of you got a baby so coming on exactly so you're like what and your husband's in grad school so what because like I just I graduated a year ago from grad school and let me tell you these bills uh-huh. Or These something bills. else. <laughs> These bills are something else. And honestly, huge point of gratitude for my the tour. I think Dean, my husband Dean, the decision that we made for him to go back to grad school was partly because of the fact that I would be on this tour. And I knew mm. that together we would be able to um, set ourselves up so that we wouldn't be in like massive debt after grad school because mm-hmm. honestly like if I hadn't gotten this tour there's just no way we could have afforded, afforded it. yeah and I'm so grateful that we said yes to it and that that he has that he's almost done now because I do see him um you know hopefully lord willing being able to like really crush an awesome career after this but i will say that for me it's always been about like a jack of all trades like what mm-hmm. else can i get my hand into what kind of part time work and um something else that i've been very fortunate to um to do is i actually am a sales director with mary kay cosmetics mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're wondering why my skin is glowing <laughs> Um, and it's so my mother had worked for Mary Kay she's worked for Mary Kay for over 40 years Mm -hmm. and she had to retire about a year and a half ago and she said Rach I just need to sit you down I know you've never been interested in working as a Mary Kay director or as a salesperson in general Mm -hmm. because I don't like sales but she said if you are willing to become a director you can inherit my entire unit because that's like something that Mary Kay offers it's kind of like a scion program or like an inheritance program where you can pass it on to your 
to your children. Mm -hmm. And so I thought about it for a long time. And I was like, I told my mom, I was like, I'm going to be on the road. There's no, I'm going to be like eight. There's my puppy. I was like, I'm going to be eight hours ahead of you guys most of the time. Yeah. Different times. How am I supposed to operate this business? And she was just incredible. She said, you know what? I'm going to help you as long as you, as long as you need my help. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do everything for you. But she just said, I think you need to be thinking about the future and life after this tour and what you're going to do. And, um, and so I did it. I was just like, you know what? Let's go for it. Um, and if it works out, I'm going to try. And now I'm so grateful. I've had, I have this like amazing team of women that support each other. And, um, it's been an amazing thing to do since we have to work from home. I've had a lot of trust, like I've had a lot of Mary Kay customers kind of come out of the woodworks and be like, all right, I need a new skincare routine because I'm at home and I just want to do a spa treatment. And Mm -hmm. it's been really fun to do that. I just did like a mother's day, um, I did like a Mother's Day virtual mm-hmm. spa treatment with some of my girlfriends <laughs> that are mothers. I like left samples at the door and just, you know, so it's just been kind of cool to have this other job. I'm not going to call it my career because to be totally honest, um, my heart is still in music and my yeah. heart is still in, in creating music in that way. So I always say like whatever my number one is always going to be music even if Mm -hmm. I'm not actively doing it a lot but Mm -hmm. Mary Kay has been such an amazing part-time job and it pays incredibly well so I mean like (laughs) it's one of those companies that really really work to support support the women and the men that Mm -hmm. are in our sales force just to give you an example if there's a product that's like $18, this, I would get 50% of that sales. So I would get $9. So it's a really incredible like return. 50% that's a return. huge return. It's huge. That's a huge, huge return. Yeah. So that's just the benefit of Mary Kay. And they've never, they've never adjusted that. They've never been like, oh, well, the economy is bad. So we're going to have to make sure you only get 35% now. It's like, mm-hmm. nope. You stay at 50. Yeah. That's, so that's amazing. That's incredible. I mean, it's cool that you found a way to continue to make money, but also be happy about it. Cause I think, I think that's also like the hard thing as creative people. You're always told like, well, you may have to work at a coffee shop for six years. And that's just kind of, that's just kind of it, you know, but it's good. And generally, if you're in a coffee shop, you can kind of look behind the counter and go, you're definitely a writer. You're definitely an actor, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're in a city like DC, New York, Nashville, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. you're a songwriter. So do you think that you'll ever, you know, maybe make the plunge to LA, but I mean, you're so focused on country. So, I mean, Nashville is obviously the... <sighs> Yeah, that's such a great question. There's really no reason for my husband or I to stay in Nashville anymore. Other Mm. than the facts, just because now that I've like kind of broadened out of country music, um, there's really no necessary reason that I need to be in Nashville, but I've built such a beautiful community here that that's why I would not want to leave. I do love LA and for freaking Pete's sake, if I could live with LA weather all the time, I think I would... What a dream. It's not <laughs> such a dream. I'm, I'm very affected by the weather, like cloudy days. Like today, it's a cloudy day in Nashville, and that's why I have to spend a lot of time outside. Because mm-hmm. if I'm inside on a cloudy day, like I can just spiral so quickly, energy wise, thought wise. And if I were in LA, I feel like it would just be like every day, per- perky rage. <laughs> that's what they call me. Perky rage. So, what um, has. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, 
know, but yeah, all that to say, I don't really have any plan to go to LA. I love visiting LA, but I don't think we, I don't think I could make it out there. And I don't mean career wise. I mean, I don't think I could a afford it, but b just the my community is here. So, mm-hmm. do you? So, what kind of was your most? I don't know challenging experience in your career of music what what was so nerve-wracking for you I would just have to say well the first really challenging thing I'll never forget is you just have to make really tough decisions because it is a business after a mm-hmm. while and so when Brian and I had to split ways with our thir- original third member Luke that was probably the, one of the toughest things I've had to do even though it was time like there was no question mm-hmm. it was the decision um, both on a personal level and on a business level. Um, but we had to make some decisions like that throughout our career where you really become close with people that you work with, whether it's your booking agent or, you know, your your PR person or a representative at a label or your radio rep. I mean, there's so many people that are involved and you become really close to them. And so the hard part is then, having to make decisions that are best for your career, but you may have to leave a certain place or people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would say finally, when our label folded and we had to part ways with management, I mean, it just kind of, I think that was probably the toughest part of my career of my adult life Mm -hmm. is just navigating that. And it's really hard to see how much work you've done and blood, sweat and tears and energy. And then you just kind of, to be honest, you have to be able to let it go. And we, we let it go because it, it was done. It lived its life. That Mm -hmm. was the life of our band. And, um, as much as I wish it could have, we could have had a career like Lady Antebellum that just kind of could keep going forever and ever. That wasn't our, that wasn't our trajectory. So it was just so hard and still is, to be honest, it's, Mm -hmm still is like it still is something I hold on to so dearly and that I mourn the loss of but mm. you just you know you can only control so much in the music business and in, in entertainment in general you just really have it's so much out of your control so with things like that do you do you stay in touch with people right away or did you have to kind of take a take a moment and be like hey guys I can't really be around like I know mm. we're ending I think, I know, I think with Brian, I remember this like clear as day, we were on, we were outside of his house, like sitting outside and we had that conversation and it was, it was just kind of like not a surprise. Like Mm -hmm. it was already like it happened, but we just hadn't verbalized it. And then with, so with him, it was fine. It was just kind of like, we just kind of kept on life as usual Mm -hmm. because we weren't really doing that much with it anyways and I think for me I could just officially let go I was really trying to hold on I was really working hard to keep relationships alive mm-hmm. um and I think as far as like other people go I didn't really need to like take time to myself but I will say it was it was not something I could talk about with everybody mm it's something I could really like talk about with like my super close inner circle but it just became so exhausting to to talk about even though people were like you know asking all the time what's happened with Native Run what are you guys mm-hmm. doing it was just like you know some people I just had to go you know what almost like lie about it in a way just yeah you know 
And even with the things that are are good things, so you were talking about touring with your friends after you, I don't even know if you probably got time to like decompress after that because you had to then hop on the Hosier tour. But even with tours like that, do you feel like I don't know, you have to take a step back because you were spending so much time, you know, with them. Even your, so you said you brought a friend with you on the Hosier tour and you guys were friends before and you're both from Nashville. But then like the tour ended, did you feel like you had to take a step back? Because like, girl, we just spent like two years together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like COVID has kind of done that for us anyway. Yeah. Like, I think I've seen her maybe like twice since we've gotten back, which was since December. Um, but it's true. But I will say that that's another heartbreaking piece of it is that we spent almost every day. I mean, we toured 278 days last year. So I was with these people 278 days and nights. I mean, going to sleep, waking up, they're there. And I love them. <laughs> they were family. That wasn't a bad thing either. I absolutely adored every single one of them. And I think that what becomes hard is then when that tours over, you're like, okay, that's done now. Mm-hmm. And so I keep in touch with a few band members. We mm-hmm. actually have a weekly, um, we have a weekly Zoom call every week. Um, so we get to check in and that's been amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and important because these are people that now share such an intimate part of your life. I mean, you go from not knowing these people to being the best of friends mm-hmm. because of how much time and energy and emotional energy you spend with them. Mm-hmm. So now it's just about like navigating those friendships and trying to, you want to keep them, but you'll, you know, it'll never, it'll never be the same, obviously, mm-hmm. nor should it. Cause that's just not real life. Yeah. Do you have any kind of advice for aspiring singers, songwriters, like, you know, like that are listening, like, Hey, I, I love singing as well. Like, how do you, you know, navigate that space? I would- yeah, I would have to say it's so funny. My girlfriend Annie, who's the bass player for um, for Marin, and I always joke about this, or we just tell them like, "Don't do it." <laughs> like we go, um, "Don't, don't make it a career." But that's just because it means so much to us that it's so heartbreaking. Like it's mm-hmm. the best, it's the best and the worst thing, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but my advice is this: if this is, if you have a and here, I'll, I'm just going to pass on professor advice I got when I was in college. Ed Jarrow, one of my acting professors, said to me, do you have a plan B? And I said, you mean like if acting doesn't work out? And he's like, yeah, like do you have a plan A? This is what you want to do in a plan B. And I said, no, I mean, I, I think I'm going to be an actor. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I have a plan. That is my plan. And this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do after school. And he said, good, then you can be an actor. And he said, because if you had any plan B, I would say do plan B. Mm. And it it was it was really strange, and I know this is going to sound kind of harsh, but the reason he said that is because he, he said if you know to the core of your bones that this is what you want to do with your life, then you will do it. Mm. But if you have a plan B, it means that you you technically can see yourself doing this other thing, and it's not going to be worth the blood, sweat, and tears to to try to do both. Like. Mm. So, for example, like I had a lot of friends in college that were like, I would really I really want to do this, but I'm actually going to pursue this other thing instead yeah. and, make, and try to keep singing or acting as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And to them, I would say you're correct, because if you are going to try to make a career in, in entertainment, it's going to require so much of you. Mm-hmm. So that's the, my first thing is to just decide if that is exactly what you want to do. Then if you do want to do that, 
you have to be able to be every single woman or every single man. You have to spend time every single day learning about the industry. It's changing all the time. So being as caught up on the industry as you possibly can. Um, you need to spend time working on your craft. So if you're a songwriter, you need to be writing at least at least every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean it has to be eight hours. It could be 10 minutes one day. It could be one minute one day. But it needs to be something that you are intentionally doing because no one's going to set a schedule for you. It's mm-hmm. not like show up to work, you clock in. It's like yeah. you have to make your schedule. So that's the other thing I would say is be really responsible with your with scheduling yourself. Um, and then, and then finally, I would say, um, don't try to be like anyone else. Mm. That's the thing that I that kills me sometimes when I in Nashville is I will see an artist come up and I'll just go, you are you're just another X, Y, and Z. And for a short period of time that will work. But what you're missing as an audience member is that authentic connection with somebody specific, mm-hmm. like it factor. Mm-hmm. Like tons of people can sing, tons of people can play instruments, but no one is you. You are the only person that is you. And so there is something unique and special that you can offer. Find out what that is. Do not try to do X, Y, and Z because it worked for Billie Eilish or because mm-hmm. it worked for so-and-so. Billie Eilish is Billie Eilish because she did the thing that she does. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So that's the other thing I would say. And so, and, and, and just the, the final thing is that there's no guarantee. I'm not one of those people that's going to say, if you work hard enough and you don't quit and you this, like your dreams can come true. That's not true. If you work hard enough and you don't quit, you will be the best version of what you can be. And that should be enough. Mm-hmm. But the music industry and the entertainment industry, it's the wild west. There are no rules. So you just have to know that when you go into it, you are doing it with that, with that in mind. I told you I'm like unleashed today. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> but no, but that's, I mean, that's what we're here for. And that's why I love it. Um, and so the last question that I ask all my guests is how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Damn. I love that question. Like Whitney Houston, I'm every woman. It's all in me. Um, <laughs> um, I would say, gosh, I would say being a woman is the ability to understand the strengths of being a woman, but also understanding the softness and the vulnerabilities and the other things that make us women. I don't know if that makes sense. I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, I think if you said like, what does it mean to be a woman? Well, women can multitask. Women can do this. Women are this. Women are that. Women are nurturing. Women are this. That's true. But I also think that men can be those things as well. Mm -hmm. So I think what's really important about being a woman is like, like understanding how being a woman, because it is different. Okay, I'm going to be really controversial. I'm I'm sorry, I'm not making a lot of sense right now because (laughs) I'm trying to not be, I don't want to be like really controversial, but I also think that this is a hard question to answer without like getting a little controversial. So I'm going to start off just by saying this. Women have suffered with inequality since day one. Mm -hmm. Since day one. And that is always something that's going to be a part of our DNA. 
because I think that through time, through evolution, women have had to operate and have had to learn to bend and flex Mm -hmm. in order to either try to create equality for themselves or to even just create anything for themselves. I think number one, it's like being a woman is knowing that your, your intrinsic value is so much greater than we give ourselves credit or opportunity Mm -hmm. for. Um, but on the same token, I'm not one of those people that's like, women and men are the same. I think mm-hmm. that women are different. I think that we are biologically different, that we do have different skill sets, different strengths, different weaknesses. And that is why it's fucking amazing to be a woman. Mm-hmm. You can figure that out. But it's like... <laughs> and it changes for every woman, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I believe like everything like that is on a spectrum for every person, depending on how, how you were brought up. But like... Like when I think woman, I think fighter. Cause I just mm-hmm. think from the beginning of time, women have had to fight for their womanhood mm-hmm. to be able to keep it and still be considered equal. Um, and also without having to sell what makes women in our society popular, which is like sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, this idea that we're a commodity because of the way that we are sexually speaking when you say the word woman I light up inside I am mm-hmm. so proud to be a woman I am so ecstatic that um, that I get to be a part of the female race or whatever we are mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I get I get so fired up about it and I think it's just because I think women are just now stepping into who we can truly be mm-hmm. Mm. And that really excites me. And you mentioned them before, but it's because of women like Oprah, like Michelle Obama, who, by the way, I got to go to her book tour, Becoming. I got to go see her live and I sobbed for like half of it. But when I wasn't sobbing, I was just like praising. I was like in worship mode because I see what what I'm so thrilled about is when I see a person like Michelle Obama, I go, that's why I'm proud to be a woman. Mm -hmm. That's why. Thank you for giving me another reason outside of myself to be proud to be a woman Mm. so we're in a good time it's a great it's an amazing time to be a woman Mm. I love that answer you may think it's jumbled I think it's great oh gosh I mean uh, you like wind me up and she just keeps going she just talks for hours and hours good lord tell her to shut it I love it um so thank you so much for joining me do you have any um thing you want to shout out give kudos to uh, I mean, promote I would just say I don't really to be totally honest I think right now during this like quarantine time I've been trying to just navigate what that whole idea of what is next I thought I would be able to kind of approach that question a lot sooner and it's mm-hmm. everything now has been put on this back burner has mm-hmm. been put on hold because I just and I'm, and so I, I have nothing. I have nothing to promote or except a healthy mindset. It is May. I will say I don't know when you're going to release this, but May is um, Mental Health Awareness Month. So I would just say to anyone that might be listening this month doesn't even have to, doesn't even have to be May, but um, just to maybe reach out to a friend that you think may have may struggle with some mental health issues. Um, they may not respond and that's fine, but it's important to acknowledge mental health because you can't see it. Mm -hmm. 
that's all I'll, that's all I'll promote mental health I love awareness it. month trust me I'm a big proponent I talk about therapy on this podcast all the time uh, <laughs> all the time um, but Rachel again thank you so much for joining me I honestly couldn't have planned it better this is great um, and thank you. thank you thank you so much thank you to all the listeners um, if you would like to connect with the show follow the show please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at prettyfacelady3 if you would like to say hi would like to be on the show know someone who can be on the show um, please email us at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com and talk to you soon bye bye